welcome back to Starmans. We're, uh, we've had an exhilarating episode for you today. It's about a rock. No. Yes. In a hard place. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's about, we're going to do, since we didn't tell you last time, we're going to do the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980 because it's debated because there's multiple yeah 1980 that's when it happened i know i've been picking like recent natural disasters when was chernobyl 1986 1986 yeah okay april 26th 1986 oh shit my birthday but not birth year it's easy to remember then yes yep yeah it was good so, Chernobyl yeah. Chernobyl happened on your birthday? You didn't say that in the podcast. I did. I said it was the date of my birth. Did you really? You don't pay the fuck attention. <clears throat> well, I, I no, apparently I'm, not because I was there for it. I we might have, it. Well, we might have cut it. it out. It was like when we are chatting in the beginning. It oh, might not be on the I recorded episode, but. Yeah, that's probably what it was. Could be. Do we have any business to get to? Um, no, I think, um, that I do. I kind of want to mention this in the last podcast, but we're rated yes. 26th in... 23rd. Was it 23rd? 23rd. Let me just pull up the email real quick. Okay. We are currently rated 23rd in the category of astronomy and podcasts right now, according to Podbean. Thank you, Podbean. So that's pretty cool. That's definitely not Apple Podcasts. <laughs> oh, no. But you know what? Apple so we'd Podcasts be like doesn't really have that many categories. 17,432 <laughs> out of 18,002. On Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. That's that's where we'd be riding. It's kind of like our trivia nights were the bottom. We, uh, we're, we always end up in the middle. We always Last time we ended up top middle. We always are like swoop in at the last minute. at the last second. Yeah. We do because we just let everybody else take the fall at the end. They all fucking choke. Yeah, because they're drinking and they're like yep. getting tipsy. and Our one beers are enough. <clears throat> All right. So, you ready? Yeah. Okay, let's jump in. All right. In three minutes, 230 square miles of growth, forest, and rock was leveled and ripped from the roots. Mount St. Helens was a spectacular sight to see. It had an unofficial name of the pinnacle of America. Damn. Mount St. Helens was known by the local Native Americans as Fire Mountain for years Fire Mountain. They should have stuck with that because Mount St. Helens sounds lame as shit. I should have looked up why they named it that, but I don't know. But when Mount St. Helens erupted, it ejected 540 tons of ash, pumice, and debris over 12 miles high right into the atmosphere. This was known as the worst natural disaster known to current age of man and woman. I'm perplexed that in the first one minute of the podcast, you've already explained that it has erupted already. So I'm curious to where... Everyone knows it's erupted. Well, I know. But no one's, like, been through the Do we have, like, footage of it and shit? Yes, we have documentation. Not, um, there is a little video footage, but again, it's the 1980s. It's not great quality. What color TV was introduced in the <clears> 1950s? Yeah, but what about video cameras and camcorders? Photographs by then, back mm. then, were almost like Polaroid style. You had to manually, a lot of them, you had to like take the photo, put oh. the next one in, take the photo, slide the next one in, take the photo, expose. That was like drape over days, too. <laughs> <laughs> drape over days? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I have an answer to the name of Mount St. Helens if you want it. Yes, please. Um, the modern name 
uh, was given to the volcanic peak in 1792 Why? by the seafarer and cap- er, explorer Captain George Vancouver of the British Royal Navy. He named it in honor of fellow countryman Alan Fitzberg, who held the title of Baron St. Helens. Baron? Like he couldn't have kids? B-A-R-O-N. Oh, okay. Not B-A-R-E-N. Baron. Yeah. Baron St. Helens was his title. So he named that. It's kind of lame. Well, it is kind of lame because Mount St. Helens is actually known as the smallest volcano in the Cascade Mountain Range. Well, they didn't know that at <laughs> the, the time. In the Pacific Northwest. Probably. <laughs> Jesus. Well, good. I'm glad we got that little info in. Mm-hmm. So, Mount St. Helens, its first eruption was actually estimated at 40,000 years ago. But in the last 4,000 years leading up to 1980, it had some of the most explosive eruptions in the Cascade Mountains. I'm a child because my brain went to, when you said explosive, the next word that my brain wanted to hear was diarrhea. <sighs> Moving on. Other <laughs> volcanoes other volcanoes in the Cascades include Mount Rainier at a whopping 14,411 feet in Washington. Yep. Mount Shasta, 14,162 feet in California. Mount Adams, 12,280 feet in Washington. And Mount Hood, 11,239 feet in Oregon. Or Oregon. Pick your side. Oregon. 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 Or, I don't know. I, that's my natural go-to is Oregon, not Oregon. Well, it wasn't the Oregon Trail, was it? But or I'm the pretty Oregon sure. Trail. Oregon. I think it was Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Okay. Well, I, but it sounds like Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. So I'm like, eee. Oregon Trail. I don't know which one, Oregon or Oregon. It's Oregon, unless you're from there, then it's Oregon. I don't like that answer. I, I accept it. I reject it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the video game is the Oregon Trail. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. See. Gotcha. So Oregon, if you're not, Oregon, if you are. Mount St. Helens is only a whopping 9,677 feet pre-explosion. Mount St. Helens also resides only 50 (laughs) miles from Portland, Oregon, and it moves at about one inch per year. The Cascade Mountain Range was created when the North American plate collides with the Juan de Fuca plate. Wow. So the te- it's the, the tectonic mo- plate is moving about <clears throat> one inch per year, which is how. Well, look that that pipeline that basically that earthquake pipeline right there that goes right down through California. Yeah, this resides on it. Oh, not pipeline. Um, fault line, fault line, that. Yeah, pipeline. Which by the way, <laughs> we shut down all California, our pipelines. <laughs> California is like, isn't it? Literally, b- the border of California, just the fault line, basically. Mm-hmm. I'll get into it. Okay. And there's two, actually. There's one that goes like, eat over here inland, and then there's one that goes, K-. we don't talk about the inland one because that's a, another natural disaster zone. But I do want to talk about how volcanoes are formed because I feel like that's important to know and it's relevant. So, duh. Yes. So, similar to earthquakes, the majority of volcanoes tend to form on the edges of tectonic plates between two. Right. If you look at a map of the tectonic plates, you'll find the most, not all, but most of the volcanoes formed are right along each rift. Mm -hmm. What's also super cool is that along the Pacific Northwest, across the top, to Alaska, over to Russia, and down to Japan, is known as the Ring of Fire. Jesus. And we'll go a little bit more into it, but it's super cool. And I'm going to post a picture pre-release of of this, Mm -hmm. and it shows the Ring of Fire, and it's kind of sick. It's like, whoa. Some basic earth geology. We have a hot core in the center of the earth, surrounded by what is called a mantle. This is basically layers and layers of various earth-like materials, or earthy materials. 
On top of that, we have a crust and then tectonic plates and then the ocean. And then on the various plates, we have continents that are a little bit higher expansions up. That's like where continents <clears throat> came from, right? Like right. the tectonic plates like yes. shifting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Such. Tectonic plates are in contact with each other, but they also move relative to one another. These connections or movements can allow spaces or pathways for magma to reach the surface. There's three basic types about how the plates move. One is constructive, where plates are moving away from each other, and new crust is formed between. So they separate, earth comes up, cools, creates a crust. Right. Because the ocean's right there. I was wondering about that. Like, what happens when tectonic plates move apart? Yeah, it allows the mantle to come up, and the cooling waters of the ocean cools it down so it's not hot core. It cools down and creates a crust, and it layers over time, and it cools until it's too close to the core, and then you'll have Mm. various layers of liquidy. Side note, we should do an entire episode on the uh, biology of geothermal... Um, biology? Like human? Like what lives in those geothermal oh. um, oceans where the crust is like split. Oh, that would be sick. Because they Isn't like, it like bacteria? Yeah, they live off like pure carbon monoxide, yeah. basically, which is like... And what? there's things that surround <laughs> like those volcanic openings too, like yeah. that, that feed off of it, but they right. live like on the edges on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That would be cool. So we're on the sep- second type, which is destructive, where plates are moving towards each other... An old crust is either pushed up to form mountains or shoved down into the mantle at what we call a subduction zone, which again, subduction below, down into the mantle. And three, lastly, conservative, where plates can move past each other without destruction or formation, like sliding over the top of each (laughs) other with or no contact, or they just shift and they don't do anything, nothing happens. Mm. So conservative. Volcanoes form where there is a constructive or destructive plates not conservative. Or they can be um, formed from what is known as a hot spot. A hot spot is a fault in the mantle, which basically allows magma to rise from the core to the spot, not necessarily on a tectonic plate line. Think of like a Swiss cheese hole. It comes up, it's a, it's a weaker part of the crust comes up through the hole, a weaker part in the the mantle comes up through, cracks up, and then you get volcanoes outside of the tectonic plate regions. Oh. So that's where most volcanoes are on fault lines and tectonic plate lines. Right. The ones that are, not all of them. There's like a couple of various ones like in Russia that are like, if you look at a map of the volcanoes, there's like the ring of fire. And then there's a fault line that goes down the, um, basically the east side of the earth. And then there's like, boop, 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 boop. Not including the ones in the ocean. Those are different. Yeah. It's Swiss fucking cheese. Basically Swiss cheese. Yeah. (laughs) So, most volcanoes are formed on the tectonic plates, again, like when the crust is pushed down into a subduction zone, which is when a plate slides under one another or slides down and things get shoved up. Right. Side note on subduction, this can drag a lot of water and ocean contents down into the mantle, causing a formation of a slurry along the tectonic plate line. So water goes down to the mantle into the Earth's crust, Mm -hmm. and it mixes with it, and it creates this liquidy, muddy shit. But if magma comes up, then it gets superheated. Oh, shit. Yeah. At the line, the water and debris of the mantle is put under enormous pressures, and magma is formed by melting nearby rock and forming with the water. Deep within the the Earth's crust, rocks can slowly melt and form a liquid substance called magma. 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 When magma is formed, it is much lighter than the surrounding rock, so it rises up to the surface. Mm -hmm. 
It can collect in chambers along the more superficial layers of the Earth's crust, basically, yeah. And it can go into little pockets where there's like a little bubble, domes. How severe an explosion depends on what makes up actually the type of magma. Oh, didn't know that. The more runny, and yes, this is a literal term used by geographers. Runny? Yeah. Well, that's some runny or geo- Geologists? Geologists, not geographers. Geologists. I know what you meant. The more passive the eruption. So, oh. the, so iron and magnesium rich, or what we call basaltic magmas, are the most runny, whereas in comparison, silicone or silica rich magmas are the least runny. They're more hard, more viscous. Hmm. The iron magnesium tends to be hotter due to the metallic materials, making it the least viscous, most fluid, and less sticky. Also, the more the gas that's present in the magma, the more runny it is. Silicone rich has a very high viscosity, making them very thick and extremely sticky. Weird. With more runny explosions, they tend to leak out through the cracks or surfaces, or they can be like sprayed into the air like a small fountain. It's more like an ooze. Like, because they're very liquidy, they just ooze out of the cracks in the earth. Interesting. But the eruption of silicone-rich materials tends to be very harsh. On the way through the vent, which is technically a tube or a port to the surface, the silicone is so thick, it actually solidifies on the way up, creating much higher pressures because it doesn't allow the gas to escape. It doesn't allow more magma to come up because it solidifies blocks. It just builds pressure and either goes out to the side or it breaks through it and then it just... Lights. That's so crazy that it doesn't just like crack it and and just ooze out slowly, and that. That's what the other ones it do. Just plugs and it pl- it creates like a plug and it builds up on itself and it just creates an enormous amount of pressure because it's too thick. So this obviously leads to a huge, the spectacular explosions that we all think of when volcanoes erupt. Right. Essentially, yeah. So technically, when magma explodes or leaks out to the surface, it is now called lava. It is not lava below. <laughs> below lava. Below. You mean magma? <laughs> below the surface, yeah. Oh, you mean magma? <laughs> lava? You mean magma? <laughs> magma? I hardly know her. Oh, my God. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A volcano at its most basic level is actually referred to as a vent. Because all it is is a mountain with a hole somewhere in it. Yeah. This is where magma now has an exit to escape the deep pressures of the earth under the tectonic plague activity. Hmm. There are roughly 1,350 active volcanoes worldwide, with only about 500 being outside of the ocean. The remainder are below the surface of the water. That's so crazy. Right, because they 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 have to be fucking massive down there. <clears throat> I mean, it makes sense though. Like that. Oh. <clears throat> So remember the Ring of Fire? There's about 300 active volcanoes along that solo ring. And how many are on Earth, supposedly? Like There's 1,350, <clears throat> roughly, yeah. 500 out of the ocean, and 300 are along the Ring of Fire. Holy Christ. The What's ring going on over there? Right. The ring goes from Chile to California to Alaska, up and across over to Siberia. Oh, big ring. Big ring. But it's not really, in between is ocean. So it just basically goes North America, up the side of North America to California, up to Alaska. So bloop, over to Siberia, down to Japan, and then over to New Zealand. Anyways. In 1843, Mount St. Helens had its first eruption ever recorded. After this, it is lied pretty dormant until 1978. The United States Geological Survey issued a report of probable eruption within 100 years 
but it was most likely by the end of the century, so within about 20 years or so, they predicted an, an eruption of Mount St. Helens. Yeah, I can do that too. In the next 100 years, there'll be another eruption at Mount St. Helens. See, I'm a geologist. I can do it too. Get away from me. March 20th, 1980, Mount St. Helens was shaken by an earthquake rated at a 4.2 off the Richter scale. Wait, Richter scale? Okay, you're about to explain it. Right. For those who don't know, you don't know the Richter scale? Well, I don't know what the cap is. 10? The Richter scale measures earthquakes using a logarithm of amplitude, which is height, of the largest wave of the earthquake measured by a seismograph. It's the thing that goes... I know what it is. And it takes the largest wave, and it's not a constant 4.2, whatever, or it just takes the the highest one, and that's the rating. Okay. Until the tremor stops or whatever. Right, right, right. The Richter scale can go to a 10. It can. Okay. But if this were to happen, the size of the earthquake would extend around most of the planet and affect almost every single continent. It would be felt. God, could you imagine? The largest, no, get this, the largest earthquake or mega quake, if you will, ever recorded was in Chile on May 22nd, 1960. You want to know what it is? Mega quake? Yeah. What do you think it was? 1960? What do you you think on the Richter scale it was? Oh, um, well, I mean, if 10 is like a global, I would say maybe 7.6. 9.5. Holy shit. It was a 9.5. Oh, my God. Devastating. Yeah. No doubt. I'm sure they're probably still recovering, kind of like Katrina down south is. People are still recovering there to this day. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, a house or anything standing up. Again, Chili's right on that fault line. It's in the ring of fire, so. Yeah. It's crazy. Wild. So going back. So this 4.2 earthquake was very near the ground surface at Mount St. Helens. And just along the whole Pacific Northwest. Rising magma caused rifts in the earth. Mount St. Helens started to release gas and smoke from its summit after this. This first kind of steam eruption left a crater 200 to 250 feet deep and an estimated 1,500 feet across the top and the side of the mountain. Damn. That was just from the first earthquake. Jesus. Over the following weeks, it got deeper and spread further and created this scooped out shape kind of right at its peak. Imagine like if this is like you look at the mountain tree, it's perfect, like a perfect T, a little flat top and just take like a scoop out of the side of it. Just cut off the top essentially and let it cave in a little. Yeah, that's when it went. Oh, Jesus. On one, t- the and top like, and the side. And into them? It came, not like from the t- the tip top, a little bit of the top did. It does have a wide top. Okay. But like, take half of it and scoop outside from the top and the side. And it went <sighs> in on the northern side. Right. Damn. Fuck. And that was just from a 4.2 earthquake. <laughs> yeah. So it went bloop down. This event was known as the initial eruption because it re- was releasing gases, et cetera, et cetera. Created mm-hmm. that hole. So this sparked the U.S. Geological Survey to set up what was called Coldwater One, an observation post eight miles away to monitor the changes in the volcano. Tourists were now ultimately attracted to this rapid changing mountain. Oh, get the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. They called it the old shake and bake. (laughs) Oh, no, they did not. (laughs) They were selling T-shirts at the base and bottles of authentic volcano ash. Humans are so dumb. Oh, don't even get me started. Mm. So we a lot of people have heard of Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. Not the 
presidential politician, but a different guy. Harry Truman, he resided on Spirit Lake, which was at the base of the mountain, was telling people not to panic. He's like, he stated a quote unquote in one of his interviews. He's like, you couldn't drag me out with a 10 mule team. He, he also stated, I'm brave about the mountain. I couldn't understand how in the world the mountain could ever get me in Spirit Lake. I don't think it can. This is four miles away from the base of the Oh my mountain. God. Wow. So April 24th, weeks after that initial eruption, on the north face, a 450-foot bulge was growing and pressing outward from the side of the mountain. <laughs> what? I didn't know rock could bulge. It bulged. Oh my God. And it was it's growing. not a good sign. It is not a good sign. Geologists suspected that there was a blockage in the central vent of Mount St. Helens. No shit. No shit. And the magma was redirecting itself off oh, to the like, side. Oh no, it's gonna... Oh mm-hmm. my God. On May 1st, about a week later, the bulge was growing so rapidly, they created a second observation post called Coldwater 2, stationed six miles away. On May 10th, Washington state authorities established a 20-mile red zone radius... 20-mile red zone. I'm, I don't know if it's a radius. I'm sorry. I think that's actually... When I looked at the picture, I don't think it's a perfect circle. The t- a lot of the 20 miles was facing the bulge, like, on the front side. So it was, like, 10 miles to the front or, like, 12 miles to the front. It was, like, an oval shaped with the center being... The summit being kind of back here. Okay. But it was, like, out and around. That makes sense. Yeah. It wasn't, like, to the backside, but there was a little bit, like, a five, six miles behind it. Um, around the summit, and only authorized personnel were allowed in. May 15th, this bulge was growing at a rate of five feet per day outward. And it had been growing like that for weeks. Oh my God. The U.S. Geological Survey issued another warning. Another earthquake or eruption could trigger an avalanche big enough to reach Spirit Lake, which was four miles from the summit. Mm -hmm. There had been tremors from the initial 4.2 earthquake for weeks leading up to this event. And if you remember, on March 20th, almost two months prior, was when that first initial earthquake happened. So again, Harry Truman refused to leave except to visit people who wrote to him, including children in elementary schools who begged him to come down off. He's the only one, well, people, a couple people were there, but he's the only one who like literally refused to leave. (laughs) Of course. There's always that one guy in every situation. There's always one. For the entire week prior to the eruption, the volcano actually seemed to lessen in activity with the decrease of venting gases. So it was no longer spitting stuff off. Though, the bulge continued to grow. Okay. Upon pressure from the residents who lived at the base of the mountain near Spirit Lake, on May 17th, law enforcement officers allowed residents to return to check on their belongings but they had to sign a waiver. Oh, being like, if you die, it's not our fault. Correct. <laughs> okay. we will, they, they allowed people to go into the red zone temporarily with a police escort to go check on their things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they could only stay for a so, certain amount of period and then they were kicked back out. Right. The, the interviews on this is so fucking obnoxious. The woman's like, I pay taxes. I'm allowed to come in. I can do whatever the fuck I want. My shit. And the guy's like, dude, we don't know what's going to happen. This is just for your safety. I don't give a shit. You guys are fucking controlling everybody. I pay the taxes here. It should be. I'm like, oh, those 80s glasses too, those specs. Yeah. You know what? She had a punchable face. (laughs) 
say, if I was a cop, I would have no patience for I'd shit. just be like, like, good, go. Right. I don't care. See ya. See have if you fun. Back. Right. If you want to go, right. if you want to go in so bad, sign this and don't come back out. We'll just look the other way. There you go. Have Too fun. bad, right? Have fun dying. Have fun. Oh, it was obnoxious. Those interviews were, I was like, <laughs> choking. I'd be mad too, but I wouldn't take it out on anybody. It's not like it's anyone's fault. Right. They're just trying to kill you. <laughs> like, what? Right. Whatever. So after, this was on May 17th, if all went well, the authorities would allow it to happen again the following day on May 18th. In the surrounding areas, families were trekking to the woods for camping trips into the red zone. Many, and not just into the red zone, like into the core, the heart of the red zone, like right to the base of the mountain. People are like, I don't care. I'm going to go camping on this weekend. And if I can't drive up to Spirit Lake, I'm just going to take my family backpacking instead. Idiots. I was just going to be like, well, they must not know. Oh, they do. They must just be like, oh, they do. They knew. And mm. Valerie Pearson, she was leading an expedition to the south base of the mountain on the southern side to plant trees. There are an arborist restoration project. She was actually hoping for a minor eruption so that she could witness it. I was like, girl, okay. I mean, I get that. Have you ever seen the movie Volcano? No. That traumatized me as a kid. Like when the grandma got into the water and her fucking, she started dying, like, because the the, Cause the, the lava went into the water and oh it, it created like this sulfuric lake and it was like acting like sulfuric acid and oh, she was like disintegrating. No. And they're on the, the, they're all in the boat and she fell out of the boat to get out because the boat <laughs> would sink with her. So she sacrificed herself. Oh my God. That's it was dramatic. fucking awful. So I'm traumatized from volcano movies. That is not how this works, but. I was going to say, yeah. But still, (laughs) fucking awful. Okay, anyways, more people. An amateur photographer, Gary Rosenquist, drove down from Tacoma to get some pictures of the mountain. A volcanologist, David Johnson, would... That's a thing? Yeah. I'm going to college for for that. That would be cool. I want to be a volcanologist. Volcanologist, but I think it's it's pronounced volcanologist. That's so dope. He was staged six miles... Northwest of the mountain in the observation at Coldwater 2 Ridge site, basically. Mm-hmm. He was measuring the bulging dome and sending measurements to the USGS Volcano Observatory in Vancouver, Washington. His description of the mountain was, quote unquote, this mountain is a powder keg. The fuse is lit, but we don't know when or we don't know how long the fuse is. Finally, someone with a brain. Right. <laughs> 8.32 in the morning on May 18th. David Johnson Station, Coldwater 2, radioed in to Vancouver saying, Vancouver, Vancouver, this is it. Gary, who was world famous after this event, caught every single step as half of the mountain slid off of itself into the nearby valley. So at 8.32 in the morning again. Before an eruption, the mountain just like fell apart? I'll explain it. Okay. At 8.32, there was 25 seconds prior, there was a 5.1 earthquake that hit the area. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then this was the trigger to all these cascading events. The entire north side of the mountain, estimated to be one cubic mile, was sent rocketing downward. Uh-huh. Like a zipper, the north side of the mountain just opened up. Oh, God. The initial blast, the initial eruption, it did not go skyward. The falling of, um, the falling of debris down the mountain triggered a lateral blast which was known as the most lethal explosion of the event. So instead of going straight up, it went 
out. That's kind of what I towards was... Towards everybody. Yeah, figuring what happened. Because when volcanoes go up, it gets <clears throat> absorbed by the atmosphere. Cool, cool, cool. But if it goes out towards, like, a projectile, it's like a bullet coming at you. But, like, yeah, a fucking mountain. A magma gun at... The mountain shot itself at you. <laughs> <laughs> so this basically essentially released all the pressure that had been building up for weeks, almost months now. The explosion went horizontally off the bulging northwest side of the dome at a force greater than a hurricane. Oh, my God. When I get in the numbers, it's insane, but it was composed of volcanic gases, ash, and rock, or they're also known as pyroclastic flows. There There was the initial explosion, but there was many more blasts to follow. Mm-hmm. The ash cloud that was spewed out was going sideways at speed. The ash cloud was going at speeds of 300 miles per hour. Jesus. Gary, the photographer, it missed him by one third of a mile, that ash cloud and the pyroclastic flows. That would not have been a pretty situation for him. No, <clears throat> especially. Mm. Especially if you would be done. That's the thing about volcanoes is everyone's like, oh, well, like, the magma's not going to hit me. It's like, bruh, the gases, like, and the, right. the fumes and the, like, it just wreaks devastation. It does. On everything. So what's eerie is the blast was heard hundreds of miles away, but those who were in the valley below, they heard nothing. I don't know why. Multiple people said they heard nothing when it went off. Weird. I wonder if it was like... Um, Are they like below the sound barrier of the yeah. explosion? It just went straight out so fast that it didn't ha- have time to dip into the valley? Maybe. I don't know. It's, that is weird though. Right. It's extremely weird. So basically people looked up and then they saw it and they're like, oh. Hello? Right? <laughs> Hello? Are, are we still friends? God. <laughs> So a roiling, mixing, shifting cloud of smoke and debris was going outward and upward surrounding everything in its path. The pyroclastic debris, not the ash cloud, was now at a superheated 1,000 degrees, was accelerating towards the earth down the mountain at over 200 miles per hour. What? The debris created pyroclastic surges that helped melt and cut down anything that was in its path. And this is where it gets really kind of sad and wild. But six miles away, Johnson's observation post of basically Coldwater Ridge 2 was blown clear off the mountain and sucked up by the debris. Wow. He didn't survive. No. Yeah. Two miles north of Johnson, a ham radio operator known as Jerry Martin was capturing the unfurling of events. And he was report- also reporting to Vancouver. Um, I believe he was in Coldwater 1. He was giving second-by-second um, second updates on the opening up of the north and the west side of the mountain. He reported the ultimate downfall of Cold Ro- Coldwater Ridge 2 and the death of Johnson. He's like, oh, it got him. Damn. He noted that the cloud was coming at him. And his last words before signing off was, it's coming up on the ridge towards me. I'm going to nose on out of here. He was never heard from again, and his body was never found. That's kind of weird. That's scary as fuck. What happened to him? He died. The, the cloud was coming towards him. I know. I'm just saying, like... There was, like, a delay before it hit him. Did disintegrate? Or, like, what? You know? I'm maybe... assuming it's the cloud is hot as fuck. I wonder if he, like, dipped into a cave. I mean, imagine getting to... hit by a hurricane at 300 miles an hour, 0 to 100. Your body's going to get ejected. 
Yeah. At 300, the amount of force, it would break bones, tear ligaments, tear arteries, yeah. rupture, lots of shit. That's just crazy. And that's if you only are going through the air. Mm-hmm. If you're in the woods, you're going to get bounced off debris. You're going to be in a debris cloud. Oh, my God. That's so terrifying. I mean, this is weeks of pressure building up. So all the meanwhile, Gary is just capturing the entire unfurling of the event from the West. Mm -hmm. He was taking photos until he basically ran out of film. Every photo he took had to be manually advanced to the next frame to capture it, but he just kept kept on going until he was out. Yeah. Valerie Pearson, who was standing on the south side, she's like, oh, well, I'm about to die. She literally thought in her interview, she's like, yeah, this is it. But she's like, there's no way in hell if I'm about to die that I'm going to not watch this come at me. <laughs> I was like, I mean, good for you, girl. I mean, if you're going to die, you might as well experience right. something. Right. She was also one of the people who said that they felt nothing and just saw the uh, massive ash cloud ride us out. But she was on the south side in the valley. So she's obviously not dead. No. Um, they were told, she was told that they may have a two to four hour warning, like a, a warning period before the mountain erupted. They'd right. get a little bit of notice right. so they could get their crew out. But that obviously did not happen. Right. So Mount St. Helens has a massive glacial mantle because about the height, even 9,000 feet, there's a lot of shit. The Cascades are very tall. Yeah. Due to the heat, it had simply started to melt away from the magma and essentially the explosion. Right. So you have the explosion, but now you also have mud and earth superheated with water to create what is called a lahars, which is a mud flow that originates on the slopes of volcano. The lahars accelerated down the mountain towards the valley and river basin. It was heated at 91 degrees, not too bad, but it was moving at a rate of 90 miles per hour right into the Tool Valley. Oh, Jesus. Fast. These, are, these speeds are, like, unfathomable to my brain because I'm thinking of, like, a race car going down the mountain. Yeah. At, like, 100 miles an hour. Yeah, with all and that resistance. Some of this shit's going faster than that and stuff. Like the 300 miles an hour, the 200 mile an hour explosion of debris. 300 mile an hour on the ash cloud. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Unfortunately, the blast affected greater than the 20 mile red zone rate. Right? That they put on its northern border. Rip. Three hours after the explosion, the Tool River in the valley had gone from its usual 200-foot width to over a third of a mile. The water, on average, was 12 feet over the flood level, but it peaked at 21 feet over the flood level. I don't know what their flood level is back then. Hmm. I couldn't find it. Spirit Lake was hit so hard by the initial shockwave, it lifted and expelled most of the lake's water 85 stories into the air and splashed adjacent mountains. What? Mm-hmm. You made that up. No, it's a fucking quote. That is not... Are you serious? Mm-hmm. They said the water was ejected out of Spirit Lake onto adjacent mountains. It's like a, a fucking cartoon. Have you ever, like, put, like, um, do you have a water pick or something that has, like, an air pressure? You go to, like, psst, with water. I, mean, I don't and have it goes, one, but I've seen it. You yeah. know, the concept. Yeah. Hit water. It goes, Psh. I'm assuming that's what happened. Went, Psh, and it went, Oh, Psh. Jesus. Crazy. I would have, like, killed to see, like, that slow-mo footage of that happening. That would be sick. That would be so crazy. There is so much debris flowing off the mountain into what remained of Spirit Lake. The lake eventually had an increased, after it had all its water shot out, had an increased depth of over 200 feet from its original state. Shit. 
Shangri-La, which is where Harry Truman's lodge was, disintegrated along with Harry Truman himself. Rip. Rip. Well, I mean, it's his own fault. It kind of is. <laughs> it is actually, no, it 100% is. Yeah. <laughs> so 221 houses, 27 bridges, 185 miles of road, and 17 miles of railroad tracks were destroyed. On one of the largest search and rescues to the date, 198 people were saved, but 57 lives were ultimately lost. It is estimated that 7,000 big game animals such as elk, bear, deer were killed. Obviously, there's many birds and small mammals, but it's hard to even remotely come up with an estimate on yeah. that. Lots of them. Lots. Probably way more than the 7,000. Mm-hmm. Washington State removed over 900,000 tons of ash, which weighs like nothing, right. from highways and roads. The total rebuild cost after this event was $1.1 billion. Wow. So the explosion was so large, it is comparable to 10 to 50 megatons of TNT with the equivalent, oh, I love me some atomic bombs, with the equivalent of 25,000 atomic bombs released over the city of Hiroshima in World War II, or 500 times the size of the detonation when we dropped that bomb. Oh, my God. was how much pressure. Holy. That's a lot of fucking pressure. Yeah. The highest speeds reached of debris ejected was up to 400 miles per hour. Christ almighty. So knowing what you know now during this eruption, what do you think the magma was composed of? Uh, obviously, um, silicon. Mm-hmm. Silica. Or silica. Silicone, silica. Yeah. By midday after the explosion, or about four hours later, the ash cloud had risen 12 <laughs> miles into the atmosphere and was raining down like a thick blanket of snow. And this is called Tephra Fall. Is it like poisonous? Yeah, I feel like it's toxic. Yeah. Because again, silicone, it's not good for you. Yeah. To breathe it in especially. Yeah. This covered over 22,000 square miles and put three states in complete darkness. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine you're just sitting there and then it goes fucking dark? Like, (laughs) done. And you're like, okay, it's one o'clock in the afternoon, (sighs) Susan. What's happening? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, no kidding. So, this is crazy too. In four days, the ash cloud reached the Atlantic Ocean over here. By two weeks, it had fully circled the entire planet. Oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Post-explosion, obviously, Mount St. Helens' new height is only 8,366 feet. Its prior was 9,677 feet. Holy crap. So it lost roughly 1,370 feet of vertical elevation. It also lost an estimated 12% of the entire mountainside, or 3.4 billion cubic yards of its summit slash cone. (laughs) This is enough for one person, or every person on the earth, to carry 15 buckets of shit away and keep it. (laughs) it's a weird stat it's a weird stat (laughs) i was like okay cool (laughs) and i don't know when that was actually written so that could have been like in 2000s the 15 bucket so maybe not to this day when we're overpopulated like crazy but Mm -hmm. yeah so now it has a horseshoe shaped crater which opens to the north that is one mile wide and two miles in length 
Its highest point is now on the southwestern rim. And the landscape itself was raised about 100 feet higher due to all the depth of the cooled lava and the magma. Mm -hmm. All signs of life for miles was initially gone. Where lava didn't reach the trees, they were basically ripped from roots or completely leveled, pushed down. Jeez. So after the initial horrible explosion, the remaining magma was still oozing out of the crater. It created these lava dome-like structures that could be 100 feet thick and up to 1,000 feet across. People said they looked like pancakes and muffins. Okay. (laughs) And they named one of the largest ones Muffy. Oh, okay. Oh, the 80s. By 1986, Muffy... (laughs) Oh, God. ...added almost 77 stories of material back into the crater. Basically, it was magma coming up, cooling off... and then creating and creating layers and yeah, shit. Yeah, right. Currently, it is in the snow and glacier refreezing process. Through predictions, if magma were to reach the surface again, the entire glacier would melt within 10 minutes. Jesus. That's a lot of melty. Mm-hmm. When Mount St. Helens erupted, there was another photographer in the area, Robert Landsberg. He was directly in the path of the lateral explosion, only a couple miles away. He realized he could not outrun the eruption itself. So here's a quote from a cool article. He managed to rewind the film back into its case, replace his camera on the bag, put his bag in the backpack, and then lay himself on top of the backpack in an attempt to pretend the, protect the contents. Damn. 17 days later, Landsberg's body was found buried in the ash with his backpack underneath. The film could be developed and it's provided geologists with valuable documentation of the historic eruption. That dude's a legend. Yeah, a him and Gary. Legend. I've heard so before I started researching this, I heard of Gary Rosenquist, but I never heard of this dude. But John had. So this mountain is way bigger than I thought. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's 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 nine thousand feet. Well, eight thousand feet. <laughs> I've done that means nothing until you kind of just look at it. Main our oh, highest mountain is five thousand feet, and that's Katahdin. So. It decimated the side of it. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. You should see the bulge. Look that one up. That's sketchy. I'll keep going, though. Okay. Reed Turner Blackburn was another photographer at the site working for Vancouver Columbia newspaper. According to one of his co-workers, this was Blackburn's favorite mountain, <clears throat> and he labeled the mountain the Sleeping Beauty of the Northwest. <laughs> mm. He had climbed it upon multiple attempts, but was very curious about its current situation before the eruption. Mm-hmm. In May, he started camping out eight miles away in Coldwater Creek, one, to prepare for the explosion and take pictures. Two of his cameras were one mile from the summit and controlled remotely for pictures. He was only assigned to stay until May 17th, but he decided to stay later because the eruption seemed imminent. He was found dead in his car in a bed of ash up to the windows four days after the eruption. Jesus. Though not all is bad, plants love the volcanic material and essentially resets the surrounding Hmm. geographic areas and geologic areas. Isn't it like super high in carbon and that's why? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yep. The volcanic material, it's it's an excellent medium for life. And this process is called volcanic reincarnation, Hmm. which is cool. David Johnson, though his body was never recovered, in 1993, remnants of the trailer he was working in was discovered. That was Coldwater um, Ridge 1. 
He was commemorated as a hero. There was a memorial fund dedicated to him at University of Washington for graduate-level research. Two volcanoes observatories were named after him with one in Vancouver, one in Washington on the ridge where he died. The last known volcano that had the same destruction and left 20-plus miles of debris was 75,000 years ago on the island of Sumatra. Damn. I know, it was crazy. Currently, more than 150 new lakes and ponds were created after the explosion with existing lakes filling with sediment, spreading the ponds outward and upward. The return of plants, animals, and new ecosystems has been documented on the slopes of Mount St. Helens over the past 40 years. These studies have been revealed, I'm sorry, these studies have revealed extremely diverse habitats and unique biological communities. So here we go again on September 23rd, 2004. Earthquake frequency started to increase, and a new formation was reported on the southeast margin. Small explosions began on October 1st, 2004, sending ash and gases into the air. In total, five more explosions occurred on October 5th, basically of that year, which was 2004. Minor ones. Yeah, this is a super active volcano. Two more significant explosions occurred in 2005, then the last was on March 8th. Dustings of ash ended up in Ellensburg, Yakma, and Toppendish, more than 90 miles away after these. And that was basically the extent of it. No deaths. Mm-hmm. Mount St. Helens is still the most active volcano in the Cascades regions. The Cascades region. And geologists, they call it a wonder because they don't understand why this mountain <laughs> particularly is so active. Yeah. And that's it. Damn. That's the the story, and to this day. I recommend looking up pictures of the before and after. Oh, it's super cool. Because that is like... Look look up the photographs they have, because you can go... <laughs> as the explosion goes, poo, poo, Yeah, I poo, saw, poo. yeah. I, like I was it's... poking around while you were talking, and... Yeah. Like, it. I saw it, like, as it is today, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, wow, that's... You can see the crater. That... You're like, that's a big crater. And mm-hmm. then you're like, my brain was like, it couldn't have been that if you like kind of connect where it would have been. And it is. It's like way bigger than that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. holy shit. It's like you took the top and then you <clears throat> scooped out the top and then cut out the center. When you on one said side. that, I thought it was so small relative to the mountain. I didn't realize when you said 1,500 like, feet across. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just the initial, that 4.2 earthquake, the initial one. Right. That was what caused it to go from here to go. Right. And then it created a bulge. And then it went. Oh, God. That's so crazy. Fucking crazy. Yeah, it was really wild. It was fun to research <laughs> that one, too. It's not like it's an event for sure. Mm-hmm. But it, there's not a lot of recounts. Like, there's, yeah, people interviewing. And, but it's basically the same shit. They're like, oh, I was there and I saw it. Right. That was it. It's cool that uh, that we're doing, like, research around the biology post-explosion. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think that's super cool. And I know, like, volcanic-rich soil is, mm-hmm. like, the most precious soil on Earth. Like, it's, right. it, it's the best for farming. It's the best for food. That's, and agriculture and that's why they call it volcanic reincarnation because it's right. it just resets everything so everyone needs a reset <laughs> basically yeah yeah so that's it that's my second not natural my first natural disaster second scary disaster 
through. Are you counting Chernobyl as a natural disaster? It's not. No, not a natural disaster. That's a man-made. Right. Well, it's your first natural disaster. Did I say second? You said second natural disaster. Second disaster, first natural disaster. Okay. Second something disaster, whatever the fuck I said. Go back and... (laughs) I'll just just cut the whole thing out and go, second natural disaster. (laughs) Don't do that. Like one of those automated phone calls where they're like, we're we're here to talk to Kristen Moody. (laughs) If you're not... Kristen Moody. <laughs> then please disregard this message. Who <laughs> <laughs> fucking paid to say all these names? Because <laughs> those are like back in the fucking 80s and shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Kristen Moody. <laughs> Kristen Moody. So on the next time we come back and do shit. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about uh, auroras outside of Earth. Oh. Because there's loads of them. Still loads of them. And uh, some that we cannot explain, some we kind of can explain. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. It's gonna be good. And I've got some really good pictures of these auroras that I'm talking about, too. Oh my god, I can't fucking wait. I'm sure they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, uh, let us know at starmanspodcast at gmail.com. Or give us a follow at starmanspodcast. Podcast. <laughs> It's not a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> At Starman's podcast. <laughs> On Instagram. <laughs> we need more social media. We might need a Twitter. Ew. I'm not doing Twitter. You don't want to tweet? No, thank you. Boop. All right. We'll see, see you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. You want to fucking die, Anthony? I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. Stop! Stop! Oh my god.